0: in here you're not really saved that's what the word teaches and so as I was studying that in Acts chapter 8 and as I got to that point I was like well then you know the teacher in me is I'm I'm like well then how do we know that we're really saved God how do we know because I've dealt with this my in my own walk with God I deal with it in being a pastor with other people that they doubt their salvation and as I was studying this um, and studying all the, you know, all the things that you can study that I can study anyway uh, with the word and the concordances and all that. The Lord took me to 1 John chapter 1 and that's a, that letter is five chapters long and that letter was writ- written to believers, to Christians and that was the thing that they were struggling with. They were doubting their salvation and the apostle John showed them and wrote to them he was showing them what these signs ought to sh- show you that you're saved. Okay? These are signs of saving faith. And if these signs, and you're not going to, so what I'm going to try to tell you today is there's going to be some of them you're going to be like, oh, I don't know if that sign's there or not. Well, that's okay. We're all in this, pro- we're, in, we're in a process. Amen? You know, we're working out our salvation. You know, sanctification is a process. Faith, it takes, you know, faith for sanctification to work. And so, we're all walking this out, but, there, but what I'm trying to tell us all today, there ought to be signs that you're saved. If there's no signs, then hmm. And here's the deal. I'm not the judge. Even as a pastor, I'm not a judge. But the Word says that every one of us in here are fruit inspectors. So if the fruit's not there, then something's not right. That's what I'm saying. So, something needs to be tended to if the fruit's not right. How many of you ever been around somebody that's been in church probably their whole life? Uh, just because you're here today doesn't mean you're saved. I hope you know that. Just because you sit in a garage doesn't make you a car. <laughs> Amen. I heard a pastor say that one time. So there's got to be something going on in here, guys. But we've, I've, I've been around church for many years now, and there's been times I've left with people that and I'm going to talk about this here in a little bit, where I've, I'm like, man, are they really saved? You know, because their fruit's not matching up with what's coming out of their mouth. Amen? And I'm going to tell you something. If When you really read the Gospels, when I was reading about the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul was so bold, he called them out by name. He said, stay away from these guys or this, these people. They're, they're workers of iniquity they're teaching the wrong stuff they're teaching heresy they're teaching error and this is some of the things that Paul, the apostle John talks about I hope you read if you haven't read those 5 chapters read them but he's he's contrasting light and darkness truth and error false teaching true teaching there's just a, a lot of that going on but that was not this letter was not written to unbelievers it was written to believers to help them understand there's going to be signs of saving faith and so these signs ought to be there last week when we ended last week we ended with this uh, scripture right here, 2 Corinthians 13 verses 5 through 6. It says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless of course you fail the test. So that's where I got the, where I went down this the rabbit hole so to speak, okay, God, what's the test? And, and then I love, I'm going to go ahead and read verse six to you. And the Apostle Paul says, and I trust that you will discover that we have not failed the test. So my job today is I hope uh, you're going to get a pass today. Amen? Amen? That's what I'm believing for, that you're, you're going to walk out of here knowing that you're saved. And if you're not saved, you're going to leave here being saved. Okay? So everybody's going to pass this test today. But to understand this, the Bible teaches that there's four types of faith. And you may want to write these down if you're taking notes. Um, If you're not, I can. I'll send you these uh, my notes as well. But there's there's four types of faith that the Bible talks about, and I'm giving you the scripture on each one. But the first one is dead faith. We talked about all four of these last Sunday, and so I'm going to mention them again here today. But this is in James two verse seventeen, and it says this. It says uh, it says in the same way, faith by itself if it is not accompanied by action is dead okay so you can faith has to have corresponding actions to be faith if you just say i got faith in jesus but there's no fruit there there's no actions then your faith is dead then there's what the bible talks about as demonic faith and that's just a few scriptures down it says you believe that there is one god good even the demons believe that and they shudder difference between demons, they believe that there is one true God, they just don't obey Him, okay, and so there's a lot of people that profess the faith, but they're not obeying God, and the, and the fruit bears witness of that, vain faith, and uh, this is Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23, and I'm going to tell you what, guys, these, this scripture right here really scares me, okay, because this is Jesus talking, this isn't the Apostle Paul, this isn't any of the other Apostles, but it's Matthew 7, verses 21 through uh, 23, and this is what it says, it says, this is Jesus, and he's talking about a tree and its fruit in, this, in this, the passage of this scripture, in the context of it, and he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, now listen to this, many's going to say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then he's going to say, I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. He doesn't say, I used to know you, but now I don't. He said, I never knew you. You were never saved. So I believe, I do, and I know this is going to shock somebody, and I've, I've taught this here before. I do believe once saved, always saved. I really do believe that. I believe that you're an eternally secure. The, the question is, though, is are, are you really saved? That's what this scripture is pointing out. Are you really saved? Because if you're really saved, then you're eternally secure. God's going to take care of you. And Everybody said, amen. All right, so that's, that's the third kind of faith. This the faith that we're going to talk about today and that we're all going to be leaving here with today is in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 through 10. And this is saving faith. Everybody say saving faith. Saving faith. This is Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. It says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. It's not by work so that no one can boast for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. For instance in my life when I came to salvation God had prepared this work of me being a pastor in advance but I had to obey that call. Amen. Not everybody's called to be a pastor. You may be called to be a businessman or a businesswoman or whatever, but whatever he's called you to do that's the work, that's the fruit that's going to bear witness that you are saved. Amen? And we ought to be bearing fruit, guys. There, there should be no doubt to people out there in the world that they're scratching their heads like, man, they go to church. You know, but man, their witness is not very good. Lord, forgive us. Amen? we got to get back on track. They out there are going to know that we in here belong to Him up there when we have love for one another. And it, it starts here in the house of God, love for one another, instead of all the fighting and bickering over carpet and the color of the paint. Amen? <laughs> you know, we don't do that around here, by the way, so I can say that. But, that's, that, but when people are outside the, the four walls of this church and they hear about the squabbles in a church and the infighting that's going on, they're like, why in the world do I want to go to that? You know. But whenever there's a strong love for God and a love for one another, you can't keep the people away. And everybody said, amen. All right, here's the summary of what I'm going to, we're going to look at today. 1 John 5, verse 13, this is the last chapter in 1 John. This is where the apostle John, the apostle of love, was writing to the people of his day, but this letter is an open letter because it's to the disciples of Jesus today as well. And he says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life that 's the summary of this whole um, this whole letter in first John and uh, you know and I wrote the, or said this last week that little um, song that we all learned in Sunday school if you 're saved and you know it, then your life should surely show it and that 's the truth okay so here's the first sign. you know how many points I got today, Jacoby? <laughs> I got twelve, not three I got twelve so you're going to have four sermons today. In uh, one setting, so signs of saving faith. Number one is: Do you enjoy having fellowship with Christ and His redeemed people? I'm going to say it another way: Do you go to church faithfully? Oh my gosh, there went everybody! <laughs> uh, so we're going to talk about that here for just a second. Is um, I'm not going to go legalistic on this, but you ought to love being around Jesus and His people. Um, and and I know that there's elderly. And I know that we went through COVID in 2020. Um, thank God for online church. I know that we still have a whole online church family, and I understand that. And so, but here's the deal. There, I go to a lot of pastor's meetings, and we're two years past 2020, okay? So that boat has sailed. <laughs> but as uh, when I go to these pastor's meetings... There's still a whole bunch of people that use that, and I'm going to just tell you what it is as an excuse. It's just a glorified excuse not to go to church. You need church. Some of you in here, I understand, are in between churches. You're looking for a church home. I understand that. God understands that, okay? But find one and get plugged in, all right? Get plugged in. Um, And no church, I'm just going to tell you right now, no church is perfect. We're not a perfect church, and I'm not a perfect pastor. But uh, we try to be. We're living for him, and we love him. But there's a couple of scriptures I want to give you here, and it says in 1 John 1, the first right off the bat in verse 3, he says, we proclaim to you that what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So he's talking about we're going to have fellowship with God and fellowship with one another. I'll never forget... Um, it's uh Lance Harrell uh Jr. And he he tells a story of his pastor. He lived I think he still lives out in California, don't he? But he'd went to uh one at the pastor at that time, went riding. He's a quarter horse guy, and a, a pastor was riding horses with my uh Lance Harrell, Jr. one day. And um so this pastor said, Lance, why don't you and your family go to church? And uh Lance, you have to know Lance, he's quite the character. He looked at that pastor and he said, well, he goes, Pastor, the church is full of hypocrites, like that. And this pastor, very wise, I know the Holy Spirit gave him this wisdom right there on that horse. And he he looked at Lance, he said, well, do you want to go to heaven with him or do you want to go to hell with him? (laughs) Like, we're all hypocrites. We all need Jesus. We're all sinners and falling short of the glory of God. Hebrews 10, verse 25, and guys, we're starting to see this, and I see Colt, over here, and I was thinking about my nephew Colt when I was preparing this back in 2020. Remember, we didn't Christmas gone, Thanksgiving gone, all this stuff is gone. And I can remember Colt telling uh, my mom something, uh, his mimi, and uh, and Colt's the guy that he, he's going to eat. He's going to eat his share, and then he's cutting out to go hunting on Thanksgiving. Okay, just telling you what Colt's like, my nephew. But he said something, and I thought, man, this generation you know god's doing something in this generation to this but he he was saying that i'm ready for this covid to be over so we can start getting back together as family guys that god put that in us that we need each other we we can't live the, we can't do life isolated and alone we got to have one another and not only your immediate family but you need a church family as well and and i've learned through the years that the spirit runs thicker than blood so you need a spiritual family. Hebrews ten verse twenty-five says, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. So don't get in the habit of the Bible teaches that coming to church is a habit. It's a good habit. But you can get out of the habit of going. Yeah. And it's real easy to do that. Have you ever noticed it, it let me give you a sign that you're really saved. You miss church for a couple of Sundays and you start saying, man, I need to get back in the house of God. I need a dose of the word and I need Jesus. Okay, that's a sign of saving faith. If you can go, you know, a month or two and you're not missing anything, hmm, I question that. But there's something that goes on on the inside of you that starts saying, man, I'm missing being in church. I need to hear the word. I need to worship God. I need to be around other believers. And so don't get out of that habit, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Don't leave it up to the pastor to encourage people to go to church. If you see somebody in our community that's, you know, that's been missing out some, reach out to them, encourage them to get back into church. And everybody said, amen. I love this story that I heard one time of D.L. Moody, who was the one that uh, he started the Moody Bible Institute. He was an evangelist. And there's a story about him with, uh, I mean, he was also a pastor as well, he pastored a church, but um, one day he was sitting in his office, and in his office he had a, a fireplace and with a rock hearth out in front of it, and he had one of his, somebody in his congregation come by to visit with him, and he said they were sitting there and they were talking and visiting and they were watching the fires during the winter time in his office and the fire was going really hot. And, uh, this parishioner, this, this person in his congregation started telling him, he said, Pastor Moody, I just, I don't feel like I need the church. I'm saved. I know that. And, uh, I love Jesus, but I just, I just, I don't need the church. I don't have to go to church, you know, every Sunday or every time the doors are open. And, and, um, I just feel like I'm, I'm good. You know, uh, I just don't need, need a church family. I can, I can do this on my own with the Lord. Pastor Moody which I believe the Holy Spirit inspired him to do this at that very moment, didn't say a word to this man that was saying all this. I don't need church. I have my relationship with God. I don't need it. And he took the tongs from the the fireplace. He reached in and he got a coal, a burning hot coal, out of the fire, pulled it out, and he put it on the, the hearth in front, on that rock hearth in front of the fire, and he just laid it there, put the tongs up, and he went over and sat down, and they both sat there and watched this flaming hot coal eventually, it took a little bit, took a little while but it eventually turned coal black and he looked at him and he said, that's why you need church why you need to be around other believers and uh, because, guys, there's been days I've been discouraged where I didn't want to I woke up one morning and I said God, I I love you but uh, I don't love people today (laughs) <laughs> Amen And I just want to stay home, and I just want to stay home. And then I will get up that day and I'll go to church and I'll be up here worshiping. Nothing's changed. I still don't feel good. I'm discouraged. I, I really I'd rather be in bed and, uh, and sleeping, sleep you know until noon or whatever. And then all of a sudden, guys, just being around y'all, all of a sudden the fire gets lit again. We need each other. You might come here on a Sunday morning, and I hope that every Sunday I have a a hot fire word from heaven for you, okay, that inspires you. But there's going to be some Sundays where I'm off. I'm just going to tell you right now, okay? But you still need to come to church to be around your church family to keep that fire going. We need each other, okay? And uh, so don't get in the habit of missing church. And everybody said... Amen. That's the first one right off the bat. Here's the second sign. The second sign of saving faith is: Would people say you walk in the light or walk in darkness? So, what kind of fruit do you have showing when you leave church? Okay, everybody can put on their best faith, their best face and faith here in church. But how do you live your life Monday through Saturday? Okay, and you know, are you walking in the light or walking in darkness? First John 1, verses 5 through 7. The darkness is always in secret, by the way. It's always in secret. And the only thing that dispels darkness is the light. Walk in the light. This is the message we have heard from Him and declared to you. God is light. In Him, there's no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with Him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. Doesn't happen overnight, okay? But as you walk in the light, sin's going to start falling off of you, okay? It's going to start, and, and if you get, in a, you know, here's the deal with sin. Sin will always find you out. I want it to find me out. That's where I'm at. That we're, these, are, these are times where, guys, I, you know, I was reading in the, the book of Acts, This is New Testament in Acts where two people dropped dead because they lied to God. Dead. I'm going to talk about that here in just a second. All right? Because these are serious times we're living in. I believe that there's no more playing the game of church. There's no more sitting on the fence. It's either you're in or you're out. God is separating the sheep from the goats, the wheat from the... The tears, I mean, it's going on, in, in not only in our nation, but it's flowing all the way down. through that. It's starting in the church and flowing all through the, the nation, all right? So we've got to walk in the light and don't walk in darkness, okay? Signs of saving faith. Do you admit and confess your sin? When it happens, when you're walking and God shows you something in your life, and he, he has a loving way of doing it, do you admit and... And confess your sin. And, and Jesus is full of grace and truth. The best, the best example that I think of is the woman that was caught in adultery in the word of God. All right? The, 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 the religious people of his day, they wanted to stone her. What did Jesus do? He went out there. I believe he grabbed her by her hand. And he said, neither do I condemn you. But listen to what, you got you to keep reading what Jesus said. He said, I'm not here to throw stones at you, but go and sin no more. He called it what it was. Go and sin no more. So do you admit and confess your sin? First John 1 verses 8 through 10 says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make Him out to be a liar and His word is not in us. So you got to you got to admit that you're, you know, we're all sinners and fallen short of the glory of God. And as you walk with God, God's going to keep revealing some things about you, and that you're going to have to say, God, I'm sorry, I repent of that. I'm going to help me, Holy Spirit, put your fruit in me in that area and get rid of all this darkness in me, and I want to walk in the light. Yes. I want to bear fruit for your kingdom. Here's number four. Are you obedient to God's word? When God tells you to do something, are you obedient? When you're reading the Word of God and you see something and the Holy Spirit convicts you, are you getting that under the blood quickly? Don't willfully disobey God. You're walking on dangerous territory when you start doing that. 1 John 2, verses 3 through 5, and that's what happened to Ananias and Sapphira, Sapphira. They willfully disobeyed God. And the Bible says they dropped dead, and that was in the New Testament. That wasn't Old Testament stuff. 1 John 2, verses 3 through 5 says, We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. And whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Tegan, when he called me... That last night, he was he was so excited. He said, Pastor Mark, I'm so excited about getting baptized today. And are you obedient to God's Word? One of your first steps of obeying God after you get saved is to follow Him in water baptism. But I've seen people, because of their pride, say, I don't need to do that. And they still think they're saved. No, you're not. You, you, you have got to obey the Word of God. Where some people will say, well you know, yeah, I accepted Jesus, but I was in my 20s, but I was baptized when I was a little baby. You need to do it again. You need to do it again. And, and I love that Tegan, when he was telling me on the phone how his God journey and how God brought him to this point and how our church had an impact in his life when he was younger and he drove all the way from Gaiman. You talk about obedience. He drove all the way from Guyman today to obey God, to follow him in water baptism. And everybody said, amen. That's, that's And I was going to use Tegan this morning. He's an, he's an example of someone obeying the word of God. Okay? Here's another sign of saving faith. Number five is, does your life indicate that you love God rather than the world? And this is where every one of us in here, I'm not trying to set us up as judge and jury because that's God's business. But I do know this, that God told me that I, could, I can inspect fruit. And the fruit, if the fruit don't line up, then something's wrong. And I'm not saying that every tree, I understand that every apple tree doesn't produce 100%. Every apple is good. There might be one or two bad apples that fall off. But if the tree is continually bad, something's wrong. And the reason why I say that is because every one of us in here got a few bad apples hanging on our tree. <laughs> Amen. But if the but if the if the tree is just continually bad when I inspect that fruit, something is wrong. Or like Jesus when he went to that fig tree that day, there was no fruit there. Nothing. First John two verses fifteen through sixteen says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not, not from the Father but from the world. So, do you love God more than you love the world? That ought to be a sign of, that you are saved, that you love God more than you love the world. Here's number six. Is your life characterized by doing what is right? Is your life characterized by doing what is right? And this is 1 John 2, verses 29. It says, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right... Has been born of him. Have you ever been around somebody that um, they couldn't do what was right if it was right in front of them? Yeah. Um, I'm going to share a story here without sharing any names. But I was in a situation, this has been years ago. They're not here today, so don't be looking around, okay? Um, I'm not going to share any names. but uh, And I'm not the judge or the jury. But by the fruit, there was somebody whom I love, and I pray that they're going to get right with God one day, is, um, I just had caught this person in lots of lies and lots of stealing, okay? And uh, to the point where I was like, God, how's this, how's this, I don't understand this. And uh, and they're in church every Sunday, but there's just, uh, these red flags are coming. Up. I'm, I'm not looking for them, but I'm, they're coming across, and there's, just, there's lots of this lies and stealing, lies and stealing, lies and stealing, to the point where it was like one of those deals when you're a fruit inspector and I'm looking at the tree. I'm like, okay, I, you know, I, I'm going to walk in forgiveness. I'm not perfect either, but, man, it just seems that this tree is bad. There's no good fruit coming off of it, just constant bad fruit, constant bad fruit. And, and I, to the point where this was going on inside of me that I was questioning myself, You know, well, Mark, who's making you the judge, blah, 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 you know. Well, I'm not the judge, but I'm inspecting fruit. And uh, a pastor helped me get over this hump um, because right during this time when all this was going on and I was praying about it and it was still going on, just lies and stealing, lies and stealing, lies and not stealing. And uh, everybody know, thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not steal. That's a command of God to obey, Right. And so I go to a, I go to a pastor's conference in South Lake, Texas, where Pastor Robert is ministering, who is a pastor there. And during this conference, he stands up, and he said, I just feel like I have a prophetic word uh, for maybe one pastor here. Maybe it's a handful of pastors. And he goes, man, this is a really, you know, he goes, I've just never had God tell me this, you know. And he said, but I know we're a group of pastors in here. But he said, "Here's here's what I need to tell you. He goes, and he goes, I don't know how this is going to set you, he even said, I don't know how this is going to set you free, but this is what I'm supposed to say. And he said, Jesus says, even I had a Judas. And that set me free. And I was like, Jesus had one, I got one right now. Because I'm inspecting fruit. I'm not the judge, but I'm inspecting, inspecting fruit. And um, guys, I'm just, I'm. I'm praying that this person gets right with God, all right? Because when there's, and, and I'll, I'll never forget, I'm going to share something else. Because there may be something, every family in here, some of us have what I what we call, and this is a whole other teaching, but it's called family iniquities, okay? And it's where like the sins of your forefathers have been passed down to you, so when you're born we're all born into sin, but your particular family, you have a bend, you're bent to this, to do this kind of behavior. And you are the one through with the blood of Jesus to straighten that back up. Everybody said, amen. Okay? Well, I asked during this time, I asked a particular person that knew this person's father, And I wasn't pumping him for information. I didn't even tell him what was going on or anything. And I said, "I said, what was his dad like? This is what he told me. He said, his dad was the kind of guy that would still hit your hubcaps on Saturday night and preach the word to you on Sunday morning. That's all I need to know. Sounds like a Judas to me. And I'm going to call it what it is, guys. That kind of behavior has got to stop in Jesus' name. And when you get convicted of it, if you're, if you're given to that and you're convicted of it, stop it in Jesus' name. Because once you're convicted of it, you're hearing this message today. And, it, and if you're bent towards doing this kind of behavior, the conviction's going to be there. So from now on, if you start, doing, I'm just, the pastor's going to tell you how it is. When, when, when you continue in that behavior, you're going to be willfully doing it then. Because the light has been shown onto it. And you're going to have to stop it. Because here's, what, here's what's going to happen next. Because, and this is the reason why God loves you so much, is your sin will find you out. Yes. And then it'll be caught on camera. It'll be caught on you know, sit, d- different situations. And then you're going to have to really face the music. Go ahead and do it now, before it's exposed. But even if it does get exposed, I'm going to tell you right now, as God's not mad at you, that's how much God loves you. If I'm walking in sin, I want God to expose it. And everybody said, Amen. And this goes into the next one. Number seven sign is, do you seek to maintain a pure life? In 1 John 3, verse 3, he says, All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Here's what the King David wrote. He said this, and this is a man that had some bad fruit too, okay? He wasn't all the time just Mr. Fruity all right, because he had, we all know the story about him and Bathsheba and the adultery and all, and he had a guy murdered and all this stuff, and here's, 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 but the Bible says that he was a man after my own heart is because this right here, David said, search me, O God, and know my heart, try me and know my thoughts. I want to be pure. I want to be pure. So, and I, here's another sign, and some of you in here uh, know we got a lot of, Ones that are married in here this morning. I'm going to (laughs) then... This is... uh, Do you seek to maintain a pure life? I'm going to give you another sign of saving faith. When you go to prayer and you're telling off to God and it it may be your spouse or it may be somebody else. And I've been in prayer where I'm telling off on Jada. And I'm saying, God, I love this woman you've given me but she's just not acting right right now. (laughs) And... And uh, she's, she's saying things that she shouldn't be saying. And she, she's talking back. I didn't know you, they talked back, God. And, uh, and when I start praying that way, and I've done it many times. When I've started praying that way, the Holy Spirit always says, but Mark, what about you? Yeah. And I'm going to tell you, that's a sign of saving faith. You may go to, in prayer like that or even in the Word of God like that. But when you get done, the Holy Spirit is talking to you about you. The mirror's on you, not on Jada. That's right. The mirror's on you. That, that's a sign of saving faith, that the Holy Spirit's talking to you. But I've, I've tried to turn that and say, God, let me talk to you about my wife. And he said, no, let me talk to you about you. <laughs> yeah, so there's your sign. Look at somebody say, there's your sign. <laughs> All right, here's number eight. Do you see a decreasing pattern of sin in your life? Do you see a decreasing pattern of sin in your life? 1 John 3, verses 5 through 6 says, But you know that He appeared so that He might take away our sins, and in Him is no sin. No one who lives in Him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin is is either seen Him or known Him. So... You're going you're gonna to start seeing, I'm not saying that we're any of us in here are perfect, there's only one perfect one, that's Jesus, but you're going to start seeing a decreasing pattern of sin in your life. Here's number nine, is do you demonstrate love for other Christians? starts in the house of God. Do you demonstrate love for other Christians? 1 John 3, verses 14 through 15 says, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. So, do you demonstrate love? Do you have a true love for God and for his people? Love. And John was the apostle of love. Here's number 10. Do you walk the walk versus just talking the talk? We're living in a day where it's time to start walking the walk. Okay, guys? Talk the talk and walk the walk all at the same time. This is 1 John 3, verses 18 through 19. He says, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in His presence. Okay? It's because we're walking the walk. Number 11 is another big one. Do you maintain a clear conscience? And this is big. First John 3, verse 21 says, Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Can you go to sleep at night and have a clear conscience? Clear conscience is worth more to me than anything in this world. Not, and I don't care what people think. It's, it's God, I want to have a clear conscience between me and you. That when I go to bed at night, I know I've done the right things today. I've treated people right, even though they may have treated me wrong, but I did my best to treat them right, just like the Apostle Paul said. What you know, if with everything in you, live at peace with other people, and I know sometimes that's easier said than done, but um, but can you go to bed at night maintaining a clear conscience? And here's number twelve: Is do you experience victory in your Christian walk? And this is First John 5, verse 4. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. I know every one of us in here have an enemy. And you're going to, there's attacks and things like that. I understand that. But we fight from a place of victory. We don't fight for victory. We fight already from a place of victory. And you've got to remember that. You've got to renew your mind to that. And so there ought to be, there ought to be signs that you're, You're having some victory in your life. It can't be just constant defeat. If it's constant defeat, then something's wrong. Because you have been saved by Jesus, who's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Greater is He that's in you than he that's in the world. If He'll be for you, then who can be against you? You're the head and not the tail. You're the, the lender and not the borrower. So there ought to be, and there's been times, guys, where I've been knocked down, but you but the righteous can get knocked down seven times and they get back up every time. Because he has he has won the victory at the cross for each and every one of us. So you ought to start having some victory over fear, victory over what your your finances, you know, over relationships, or if you know, if there's a, a bend in your family, you know, you know, my family, my family, there's a bend in my family. You know, this is not my family. I'm just saying if there's a bend in your family, what I was talking about is, you know, four generations up, my granddad was a cattle thief or whatever, and so I'm given to thieving. I'm given to lying. Straighten it up. You can do that in the name of Jesus. You can stop that right now and being passed down to another generation. I believe there's a lot of things, and Dad stopped a lot of things. I've stopped a lot of things from being passed down. Most people in here, you don't know up to your fourth generation up ahead of you, maybe one, two, maybe three, but I've I've encountered very few people that understand, you know, what's up four, five, six generations, the Bible teaches that that's junk, that iniquity has been passed down generation to generation to generation, and somebody's got to stand up with the blood of Jesus and say, it stops right here, I'm straightening up my family tree, it's been bent towards this for years, we've been known in our community as this, because of the bend but I'm straightening it up. And that's, that's the person that walks in victory. It's just like, you know, well, my granddaddy did this, so, you know, oh, unto me, it's, it's all over me now. You know, my, my, my family was given to adultery, so, you know, my marriage is doomed already. No, it's not. You stop that right now in the name of Jesus. Yes. Boom. You start walking in victory. Alcohol was in my family. We're stopping it right now in Jesus' name. Yes. You know, there's just lying, stealing, whatever whatever it is. But you ought to have that one of the signs of saving faith is you ought to start walking in victory in Jesus' name. So put on the armor of God and start walking in victory. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right, I want everybody to bow your heads in here this morning. and. These are the signs of saving faith, according to the Apostle John, inspired by the Holy Spirit in 1 John chapter 1. And I just want to make sure before you leave today, one of the things that you have to do, the Bible says, of being obedient to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible says in Romans 10 that if you're faithful and you know to confess your sins to confess Jesus as not only the Savior, but the Lord of your life, that you're no longer the boss of your life, but you let him take over the reins. Then it says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I want to lead you in this prayer today. And even if you are saved and you know it, I want you to repeat this prayer with Him. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. I believe you are the Son of God. And you died on the cross for me. And rose again on the third day. Please forgive me of my sins. And create a clean heart in me. Renew my spirit. So I can hear your voice. I accept you as my Savior. You are my Lord. Thank you for saving me. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Amen that's the first time you've prayed that, or, you know, maybe that's the first time you prayed it and really meant it in your heart, then your next step of obedience is what we're going to do with Tegan, so Tegan, come on up here this morning, and in fact, can I get the whole family to come up here since you, we drove all the way from Gammon, I want to show you all off, come on up here, yeah, give him a big hand clap, ah. he's 19 years old now, yeah, and he used to live across the street from us here in town. And he was, yeah, Jade is over here. He was, he was in third grade, right? He was, sec- he was he left in second, grade. In, he second left grade. in second grade. Okay. Yeah. So seven, six or seven? Somewhere yeah. <laughs> this is a sign today, guys. Yes. And, and Jennifer, I just want to encourage you. You're, you're an awesome mama. Okay. And I know it hadn't been... Easy, yeah. With three boys, T man. Oh, yeah. Four. Yeah, four. That's right. Four. I forgot about Blake. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but you have uh, done an awesome job. And I'm thinking about right now, this moment. I'm thinking about my grandma, and uh, uh, my grandma's in a in a nursing home or an assisted living center. But her one of her prayers her whole life was to see her children follow the Lord. And uh, we're all in the kingdom. Yes. And, I can, and I can remember Grandma, w- w- the sign of saving faith was my grandma. Even in my B.C. days before Christ, I can remember going to her house for, for Thanksgiving. And before we had Thanksgiving dinner, Grandma always cooked homemade chicken noodles, best around. And, uh, but she'd gather us all up and preach a little sermon to us and, uh, and then pray over us and pray over the meal. And I can still remember my my reaction was, oh, God, Grandma, you know, here we go. You know, she's going to talk for 15 minutes, and I'm ready to eat her noodles, right? (laughs) And, uh, but, guys, she would do that every time we met, and that took root in me. If you'd have told me back then, and that was B.C. days, Mark, you're going to be pastoring a church in Leedy, I would have laughed at you. I really would have. But my grandma was calling those things that are not as though they were over her family. And now we're all, every one of us, I'm talking grandkids and great, every one of them's in the kingdom. And my grandma, if, if you looked at it, she's not perfect, okay? She's not. But she loves Jesus. And there were signs of saving faith in her life, and it's passed down generationally. And I'm witnessing this here right now with this young man. And uh, his, um, I just... Uh, I still see him this tall, and he's 19. And when I was talking to him last night, he was going, Yes, sir, no, sir, yes, sir, no, sir. I was like, Golly, Jennifer, you've done an awesome job with these boys. Or you've been hanging around Blake. Or, may, or you said T Man's a, a drill sergeant now, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see T Man being a drill sergeant. And then Obie's in Fort Worth, yes. in, in yeah, computer tech, doing great. That's so awesome. All right. I, I'm so proud of this young man and this family. But um, So I'm going to give you a charge here in front of everybody because we talked about this last night that he's accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior and he knows this is the first step of obedience and following him. But do you promise according to the grace given to you to celebrate Jesus' presence and to further his mission in the world? If so, say I do. do. Amen. And I'm going to give you a charge to all the congregation here today. Will you support Tegan? this newest member to the body of Christ with prayer, words, and deeds to help them grow in, the, in his knowledge and love of God. If so, say, we will. Amen. Amen. All right, let's pray over Teagan today. Father, I thank you for this young man. I thank you, God, that the words sown in his, hearts, in his heart back in when he was second grade while they were here has taken root. God, I thank you for the path that he's been on. And uh, he told me about his journey and how he has surrendered to you. And accepted you as his Lord and Savior, God, and he knows that this is his next step of obedience, is following you in water baptism. And so, God, I just thank you that all the things. That have been hindering him. There's there's going to be such a transformation happen in these baptism waters today, God. There's things that are going to happen in these baptism waters today. God, that's going to cut off generational iniquities today. God, in the name of Jesus, as he follows you. And God, you have a great, a great destiny laid out for this young man. And so God, I just speak blessings over Tegan, over Jennifer, over his whole family that's here today, God. And we just thank you so much that we're, we're here to witness this young man following you in water baptism. God, and we bless Tegan today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 All right, we're going to go up here and get in the, the baptistry. And, Jennifer, you guys can get positioned to take pictures. And um, our praise team's already up here. Good. And we're going to go out with one way. Jesus. Amen. nice and warm turn around and sit down on that little bench there and then scoot up as far as you can okay all right now take one of your hands here yeah grab your nose and the other one grab your wrist i better take off my watch so that'll still work all right here we go tegan upon your confession of faith in the lord jesus christ i baptize you in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit Amen, buddy. Okay, right Amen. Picture with you. Good job, buddy. Amen. Let's all stand up and we're gonna go out with one way, Jesus. Lay my life down at your feet. You're the only one I need. I turn to you. Double time did you I seek? I put you first.